Hi, listeners. A note at the top of the episode here. Michael Vartan is not indeed Canadian, as I so ignorantly assert at some point in this episode. So my sincere apologies. Mr. Vartan, if you're listening, I understand your French. For some reason, I was thinking you were Quebecois. I regret my misunderstanding. I offer my sincere apologies. Please, please listen to our show. Thank you. Are we are we a go? This is the, this is this is it. It's it's all happening. This is it. Okay. Oh oh. Sorry, I wasn't ready. Hi y'all. Hi. Hey hey. How's it going? Hey. hey. <laughs> Welcome to that bleeping podcast. The podcast we're in for academicals. What is this? The quiet storm. <laughs> <laughs> After dark <laughs> with Delilah. Oh no! No, no! I'm not. I'm not cooking show. I mean, we could do the ASMR version. All ASMR all the time. Um, hi, y'all! Welcome to that bleeping podcast, a podcast where four academics who love television recap, analyze, and love and hate on all things popular culture. Right now, we're working our way through Degrassi: The Next Generation. Uh, today, we're only talking about one episode. Uh, just because it's between two two-parters. So here we are, uh, called This Charming Man, episode 313. Um, before we start, two things. Spoiler alert. There'll be full spoilers as we recap each week's episodes. And sailor alert, we have Potty Mouse. Um, I'm Tiffany Salter. I'm a professor at Bates College in Film Studies and English Department, teaching film theory and and such, uh, as well as classes on sci-fi, cartoons, Asian American, and Pacific Islander literature. I'm Jacinta. I'm an assistant professor of English. I research television, film, and pop culture. I teach classes in those areas, as well as literature, writing, digital media, etc. Yeah, that's it. I'm Sonic Gabbard. I'm a professor in the Department of Women's and Gender Studies at DePaul University here in Chicago. Uh, my research areas are at the intersections of transnational feminism and queer theory, but I teach all feminist and women's studies courses, and I love the grassy. I'm Brendan Shaw. I'm a professor of English in the Humanities Department at Central State University. I research and teach about African-American literature, pop culture, including film and music and some TV. Uh, And I teach a lot of stuff around that. Also gender and sexuality studies and a lot of freshman composition. All right. So in this episode, we're talking about uh, This Charming Man, episode uh, 313. So basically, in in terms of some of the other episodes of this season, this episode's relatively light. 
sort of the main story has to do with Emma and Chris. And so we find out that some time has passed since their last encounter. And they start off the episode flirting and things like that. And the sort of backstory about uh, Snake's computer has resurfaced because Spike gets Snake a new computer. Well, a new used computer, she says, which reminds Emma of her theories about uh, Sean and Jay being responsible for the previous computer, which um, Snake and Spike talk about as him losing, but Emma believes it was stolen. As we're sort of moving about this storyline, JT and Toby also express their suspicion, which sort of furs Emma on. And she has, she talks about it with Chris. And as her and Chris are hanging out, getting to know each other, going on a little date and whatever, they have an encounter with Jay and Sean and Amy and Alex. And we have seen earlier in the episode that Sean and Amy are hooking up or whatever and so this also makes emma angry so when emma sees jt or not jt when she sees jay stealing from the dot she of course confronts him gets him in trouble with the manager so they all get banned from the dot of of that crew uh which leads to more agitation between her and jay and then later on jay confronts her and chris Sean tries to settle it down before things get out of hand, but Jay mentions something about the laptop, which, of course, spurs Emma on further. So basically, Emma starts following Sean and other stuff, trying to catch him, and Chris is sort of tagging along, and Emma wants Chris's help, so she gets him to agree to help her. They go to Radich, but then instead of just talking about their suspicions that Sean and Jay are stealing, uh, Emma turns it into a lie that her and Chris saw them stealing and that their car should, that Jay's car should be searched. And Chris just sits there shocked. This of course then leads to the car being searched um, where Radich is not finding what he's looking for, of course, because there's no evidence that anything is there. But it upsets Sean because Emma knows that he's on probation and knows that Ra- uh, telling Radich things like this could get Sean in further trouble. So there's a confrontation between Sean and Radich. Sean gets Saturday detention and walks away angrily. Of course, Emma talks to Chris again about all this. And basically, Chris sees through what she's doing and sees that it's not really about justice or truth for her. It's mostly like a revenge quest against Sean. And so they he kind of, you know, ends things, so to speak. But then later on, Emma finds Chris at the mall where all the important things happen and they make up. So that's sort of the main plot. And then the other plot is that uh, Jimmy, Spinner, and Paige are taking driver's ed. And at first, Spinner's really nervous because of the teacher that they're supposed to have. But then they don't end up having that teacher. They have this young guy, Mr. Falcone, and immediately Paige is attracted to him, which leads to all sorts of comical behavior with her trying to drive while also having this attraction. Eventually, um, Hazel and Jimmy start talking about it 
talking about Pedro's attraction to Falcone in front of Spinner, who's very slow on the uptake, but once he realizes, gets upset and walks away. So the next time they're having class, Spinner basically takes out his anger on Falcone, who has no idea what's going on, um, and tries to direct Spinner in his driving, but Spinner is ignoring him and eventually hits a car. So then later on, uh, Paige catches up with Spinner at work and he talks about how much money he's going to have to earn to pay off the damage. And then they have a little discussion about him being jealous. And ultimately, they make up after Paige satisfactorily, I guess, convinces him that he's the only one she's interested in. And that's about the gist. Well done. We So can we start um, by agreeing collectively that Chris and Emma's couple name is Crema. <laughs> no, I don't like it at all. <laughs> oh, it's so good though. On the subject of Crema. No. I mean, we can, t- I mean, obviously the point of this episode was a couple points. One of them is to revisit the storyline about Craig, which I, or uh, Sean, which I'm glad we did because I also wondered how they just were like, oh, I guess the laptop's gone. But as a couple, I do think their chemistry is very good. Like, at least that was, I felt that multiple times. It's very cute. He's very sweet towards her. And when she actually allows herself to focus on him and not the past, I think she's re- like, I just thought their, their flirting was very sweet. And I'm sure it helps that we're coming off such like, intense relationships that we've been focused on in the show. Mm-hmm. I just found them very charming. And Chris is so such a charming character and so interested in her. Yeah. I agree, Brendan. He is exceedingly charming and very emotionally intelligent and attentive to, to Emma and her moods and understands that something is wrong and asks her what is wrong. And, I also really appreciated his willingness to draw boundaries that also protect him, but in a really Mm -hmm. respectful way. So like he is by far the most emotionally mature person that we have seen, uh, like on the show, I think it among the, the, what are they? Grade eights now? Grade nines? Grade nines. Yeah. I mean, because like he, he's basically like, he tells her, you're not over Sean and I don't want to be here for this. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just, I like, I, I really appreciated him. I think he's great. I, I liked the storyline overall because I mean, Emma's going to Emma, but I also felt like it felt very real that I mean, part of this, she's upset about the laptop, but she like, there's that sort of statement where she's, which she sort of accidentally and purpose says, right? Like, I just need to get him back for what he did to me. Mm-hmm. And Chris is like, what? And so I also liked that in this episode, Emma was allowed to be upset about something, but also work through it. And that scene at the end, when she sort of like shows she's also paid attention to him. I, I don't know. I just, I felt like, I think, especially since we've had such like dysfunctional relationships I just appreciated overall this, the way this one dealt with their relationship. Mm -hmm. And she seems like a good match for him in this moment. Mm -hmm. They seem well matched for each other as opposed to other people. I mean, Emma's an odd duck. And so she needs someone that's going to be excited about the things she's excited about. And I think Sean did some of that, but Sean, 
Sean's stoicism didn't always feel like the best fit for what Emma seemed to want. Mm -hmm. Do you feel though, like Emma is deserving of Chris's patience and affection? Because I'm not so sure. Like I kind of feel like in the vernacular of Love Island, Emma's punching a little bit as in punching up, punching out of her weight class with Chris. Like what does Emma bring to the relationship? Because I have not yet seen that. I mean, intelligence, right? I mean, Chris is like, I read, I listen to music, right? I do think that that's part of what Weird understand, given their previous conversation when they're DJing, right, is a level of intelligence. Now, I think that, you know, that maybe gets over amplified in the way that Emma is written. I also think that Chris is so unrelated so far to the rest of the drama on the show that he's kind of idealized. I think he's very sweet, but I also think we don't really see him relate to anyone else in the same way other characters do. Besides the thing with his baby girl, Melinda, right? Like he's kind of a perfect guy. So I don't know that anyone, I don't know. That does presume that one who beatboxes and walks at the same time is a perfect guy. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm pretty sure also at one point they have him crip walking to which I said, Oh no. Canada. What what is happening here? <laughs> oh my god. Well, and and also to go to your question, Brendan, I I think that in this episode, like it's pretty clear that Emma doesn't actually deserve him. And so I was trying to I was trying to figure out like at what point does the show give Emma her comeuppance for lying to Radich about this? And like I think that it's pretty clear that the show is supposed like asking us to not consider her in the right because ultimately we know that they stole the laptop, but like still like actually like doing the thing of lying to prove or to try to prove your point. Like I think that like, Part of what he allows her is a chance to reflect on how fucked up that is. Um, And, but I I still feel like, yeah, I don't, I don't think that she deserves him in this episode. And I'm, and I'm, I don't know. I I feel like that there were some repercussions. Maybe they're coming. Maybe they're coming in a few. Yeah. I don't assume it's done. Like, I don't assume any of this is done. Right. I think at this point on Degrassi, that ending almost felt too pat, but then I was like, oh, given the way this season goes, this isn't done. Right. And I think also, I mean, like, the thing is, we as the audience know they did steal the laptop. We know that Emma is suspicious that they stole the laptop and that she's trying to catch them. At the same time, we also know, like Sean pointed out, that, like, the consequences of him getting caught in doing something like this could be very, very bad. So, like, it's a whole complicated situation because it's not just, like, her necessarily getting him in trouble with Radich, right? It could be, like, him going to jail if it became, like, a situation. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Going back to your question again, I guess I was a little too vehement, but I, I just, I don't know. I do think that perhaps the end of this episode is too simple in Emma's realization. But I do also agree that like Jacinta saying, hanging over this is the fact that we know that she lied. And that this is a show where that kind of lie will reverberate. Right. And, and I think that that's also what I, like I was trying to say is that like, 
we don't really see her come up and, 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 and that's what I mean. It, like, that's kind of what I meant was that I, I also didn't feel like it was satisfying. And I felt like it was a little of all of the f- folks on the show, like Emma does have the capacity at times to be self-reflective um, and having Chris there or Chris be there to sort of, to chide her for doing what she did allows her the space to sort of reflect on it. But I still, I agree that like something, this is, this has to have some sort of reverberation in some, some respect. I think also like if her and Manny were friends at this point, we might've seen a conversation between them about what happened and why Chris was upset. But since they're not really friends anymore, like, Emma's not necessarily going to have that conversation with JT, even though he's one of her oldest friends. JT does have a conversation with Chris, which is funny (laughs) because he he said, what did he say? What did he say? Rebound suck. (laughs) Yep. Yep. As he's playing NBA Jam. Yeah. He's he's basically like, Chris, you you better run, girl. Get out of here because mm -mm, no, thank you. No, I, I don't. I mean, I think it's also, yes, hopefully Emma has her comeuppance. I honestly can't remember if she does, but there's just so much privilege in that scene of her lying and, and it just, it grosses me out. It's another example of Emma, like flexing her privilege without even realizing she's doing it. And I, I was, I was over her at the end of the episode. I was like, lots of people have hurt feelings, sweetheart, but they don't go like, creating lies because the the ends justify the means like it's just really white lady behavior and i didn't like it yeah i think it's hard because the show i had forgotten the consequences for sean and they bring them up at the end i think the consequences for me in that moment felt icky because she chris becomes complicit he has to Mm -hmm. lie with her or by omission at the same time, the show wants that group of guys to be creepy, right? They want the crew to be creepy and they simultaneously want you to feel bad for Sean. And it makes it really hard for me because I get mm-hmm. caught up in how creepy Jay is. He's just a villain, right? Jay is mm-hmm. just a villain. Jay mm-hmm. has never been given a backstory. I've never been asked to feel bad for him or think about his class implications or anything else right whereas sean i do but sean has now attached himself to jay and the show is really pulling on these really like kind of old-fashioned ideas of the actual bad boy so it's it's easy for me in some like the scene where jay gets out of the car and threatens them makes me want them to get back at him and i don't know what they can do so that at first when the thing happens with sean there's a part of me that's satisfied, but it hurts Sean. It doesn't hurt Jay. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. This, this, like the show does this thing where it has these tropes and then it also wants to have these, this depth. And that's where it gets complicated. I think because because Jay is just evil, right? He's just the bad guy. Whereas Sean is a full character. Well, and it does start off with like <laughs> Sean and Amy making out in the back of math class <laughs> to which I was like, Oh no. <laughs> and of course Emma is witness to that too, so Dude, I I'm pretty sure that same scene happened multiple times in my high school math class, so <laughs> cinema verite right here. Were you Amy or Emma? Uh neither. Like I had a boyfriend neither. <laughs> I always you, you were Sean. No, I was um 
I was JT just watching. <laughs> <laughs> Always your point of identification on this show. JT. Wherever JT is, that's where Sonnet is. Obviously. <laughs> so what about Mr. Falcone, who doesn't have lips? Um, do you mean Canadian? Uh, do you mean bargain basement Michael Vartan? <laughs> oh, shit. No, Michael Vartan is Canadian. Did you not know? Okay, then I'll just say I'll just say knock off Michael Vartan then. I didn't know he was Canadian. Yeah. Hey, before we get to to the B plot though, I do need a, to very a, a very important thing. We need to return to Emma Hair Watch because there's some shit going on with her hair in this episode <laughs> that I had a lot of feelings about. She has got this sort of like headband like thin headband that go, are just laughing at me i just got this thin headband that goes all the way around her head but she also has the little half pony that at the top of her head and i'm just like what are you doing emma and i was just trying to think through like is emma supposed to be like also like spike's like the boring version of Spike's hair legacy. Like she is always the one. I mean, I thought that it was supposed to be Ellie, but Ellie's hair is also toned down. And then Ashley had just a moment, but like Emma is just like consistently bad in a very mundane way. So it's like, you know, I, I just, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with it. It was just so bad. Emma's wearing a sport headband and that's like high key Sporty dyke vibes. So I was, I actually was like, oh my god, she's like a baby lesbian and with her hair. But then later, later on, she has that crochet hat situation going. Oh, that's on. so bad. She does not have the forehead for that. No, she doesn't. Yeah, I was like, are you? What is this look? Yeah. I was like, are you the little like prayer cap crocheted hat situation with the long hair? I was very. When she has the headband, she also has the rainbow love shirt. Yeah, that's yeah. only colorful on the front and white on the back. <laughs> and that's Which, also the shirt that they use in the promos for that season. Like she's wearing that in all the promos. Well, and it's not a full. It's not a full rainbow. Anyway, I mean, she has the headband half pony twice in the episode, but between it, she does have that very weird skull cap situation thing going on. <laughs> so there are multiple pictures in this world not on the internet because it predated the internet of Emilia having that hairdo so I feel like I need to step out of this conversation because <laughs> of uh, conflict of interest well but I'm sure that like when Emilia did it it was like it looked good I was saying like Emma's is like uneven like her <laughs> half pony is like uneven It's she doesn't pull like, it's not symmetrical. Like, none of it is good. It, but it's just, like, it's bad in in not a sort of, like, extravagant way. Like, Spike's hair was, or Ellie's hair, or whatever. But, like, it's just... I mean, like, it just seems like a lot of effort for, like, a meh. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of... Emma wants... Never really wants to be all in on being popular, right? She knows what she could do. Right? That seems to be her sort of vibe. She's proto hipster. <laughs> no, I think she's she's a tween. <laughs> she's trying shit out. I think she tries shit out in a way that the other characters are just more consistent, right? And have taste, have better taste, like Manny. Or Ashley, right? I mean, Manny's the only person who does like a complete like transformation accepting page, right, at the very beginning of the series. I think everyone else just sort of sticks with one thing. New page, new look. 
New Year, New Page. That's what it is. Uh, or you might say, take a page from the book of Page. Oh <laughs> Dying. I loved it. Love it. Page is, I, I love Page language. I think that's our, our group t-shirts. Like, that's the quote. I hope that there was just, like, in the, in the, in the Degrassi writing room, I hope that there was just one person who's like their only job was to write page dialogue. And like, if it wasn't, if Paige wasn't in the episode, they weren't in the writing room. Like it, they were just like dedicated just to her. What if the page genius is all Lauren Collins? Like, what if that's all it is, is Lauren Collins being a brilliant uh, improv actress? I'm into it. I'm into it more, please. <laughs> um, but no, I cackled with her bag dragging it from the car when she's so frazzled from being by But like when she realizes that she's stuck in the door, she doesn't just open the door and get the bag out. Like Paige, there's a way to resolve this issue. <laughs> okay, who hasn't done that around a generic Michael Vartan? Like that's a very first of all, moment. I'm not I have not been in a car with a generic Michael Vartan, so I can't say. I've uh, not been in a car with a real Michael Vartan. Also, also. I love when they bring the the crushed cone to class mm-hmm. and they like have it, they ventriloquize it, sadness about its family being killed. And then also when Spinner hits the the cutout of a family. <laughs> I mean, so when we talked last season about Paige's, like, the whole Dean thing, right? And we talked about, like, whether or not there was, like, the sexual desire with Paige still. When we were, our our dis-ease about the beginning of what becomes Spinner and Paige, right? It feels like this episode is a more clear expression of that than almost much of what she does actually with Spinner, Right. There's this this episode what is about in part like her sexual desire for Mr. Falcone, right? And Spinner's attempt to understand what that means. It's just unfortunate there's no one to say, Hey, I can find this guy hot and you hot. Right? Which is really the simplest resolution. Mm-hmm. Because also it's not like we didn't just have like in previous episodes, Spinner commenting on girl, other girls hotness, right? He just like was not doing that in front of Paige, but he still comments on other girls attractiveness, but he can't like put that in. He can't like bring that into his frame of understanding of this situation. Yeah. And I mean, going the step further, I also was thinking about his celebration of Craig's, you know, two timing and, and with that in mind, then getting angry that someone, because like clearly nothing is going to happen with the teacher. You know what I mean? Like she just got flustered. Cause like there was, I guess he's hot. I don't, this is not my not my particular scene, but like, <laughs> uh, I mean, on the scale, I would not rank him high, but okay, his very bad hair. He's no generic Bradley Cooper. Don't drag Bradley oh Cooper God. into it. What? <laughs> We're just gonna go through all of the cast of Alias. Alias reference. He's no Victor Garber. Yeah, yeah. Even Spy Daddy's hotter than this guy. Yes. Yeah, I. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's about Spinner once again. I mean, Spinner is all about men's, men possessing and not women, right? That's like the ultimate. Yeah, and the way he conflates it with morality is really a key. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Brendan. No, I mean, it's interesting because Paige is so pained as well, right? And I think her pain is because she actually has a kind of empathy that obviously Spinner is lacking, right? I think the one of the things that's weird about this couple is that their conflicts are all like sitcom-y almost. They haven't had any sort of like he the the realization that Paige was a victim of sexual trauma happens before they're in a relationship. Spinner f- fumbles the ball. JT is much better at it than Spinner. Then over the summer, they get together. We don't see any of that. And now they're just sort of like the couple, right? They're like how Ashley and Jimmy were when the show started. But there's no cracks. The cracks are all these solvable one episode things so far. And I guess the question, I mean, you want to talk about someone punching. If Emma is punching, I mean, if Emma's punching, Spinner is punching. But I do think that Spinner is a placeholder for Paige. I think he's safe. I for her like in her mind he's safe we all know that he's toxic and gross but she's I I think Spinner is a placeholder until Paige finds something real like her relationship with Mr. Falcone no I'm kidding that that would be really fucked up that's a different Degrassi storyline probably at some point I don't know or Pretty Little Liars story storyline First of all, nobody in Pretty Little Liars was in an age appropriate relationship like consistently okay like every everybody in that show had at least one age entirely (laughs) framed by aria's relationship with uh aria's is truly the worst but everybody else was still like i'm gonna date this cop you are 16 all (laughs) kinds of illegal and a cab I mean, okay, so Spinner is a placeholder. No, 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 I just, I'm trying to, so, because we just spent all this time saying that Emma isn't good enough for Chris, but Emma and Chris at least have things in common. I just, Paige is so smart, and I guess it's that Spinner is sort of malleable for her, and that is the work he does for her. Mm-hmm. But also, I think the problem, like, in some ways, I guess maybe a way to think about it is Spinner is sort of her blind spot or her right because as we said in the homophobia stuff she lets him pass on things and spinner also seems to know how to he can't modulate himself around anyone except her i don't know i for some reason this episode is making me think a lot about them and how it doesn't make sense to me mm-hmm. but maybe it does no i don't think it makes yeah. that much sense like in in terms of what we've seen by the kinds of relationships that Paige wants, their relationship does not make that much sense. But also, it didn't make sense to me when I was watching it as a teenager either. Like, I never rooted for Spinner and Paige as a couple. There are other couples that I rooted for. And for real. <laughs> I mean, they're friendly. Yeah, I think they've got filial love. Like, I don't think... Again, I, I, I don't think that Paige is that invested in the relationship beyond it just being a boyfriend she had in high school. Like Paige knows that Paige right now versus Paige three years ago knows that high school doesn't really mean much. Like the future is Paige, right? 
So she's just like doing the things that she needs to do. And she does have like those little elements of old page where she wanted to be like homecoming queen or whatever they call it in Canada. And she like is invested in, you know, cutest couple and superlatives and things like that. So I think that's like old page, but new page also knows like she's going to date a lot of generic Michael Vartans in the future. For real. Like, I think she's like, this is just a, this is just a blip. I'm going to be on TV. I'm going to be doing all the things. I'm going to be the next Caitlyn, you know? There is also a way in which the person in the main cast that would maybe most be her, her, I don't know, equal would be Jimmy. And Jimmy has become, Jimmy post Ashley is now perpetually the person who gives advice to other people in their relationship entanglement. He's also a trash boyfriend. Don't forget. Like, remember? He was, he was. And and then on the other side of that, he's now single and all he does is give good advice. Right. And comfort everyone. Mm-hmm. Also, Ashley was, a different, I mean, he was a trash boyfriend partially because also Ashley wasn't good at asking for what she wanted. Not that that justifies what he did, but I do think that was part of the point of that relationship. Yeah. I think also, I mean, like, we can't really ignore that Spinner is attached in a way to a traumatic experience that Paige had, right? Like, him, her and him coming together after that is, I think, part of what keeps their relationship together. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that's a really good point. Also, I do think Jim, Jimmy's one of those guys that is better when you're not in a romantic relationship with him or you're not attracted to him because he was also shit to Hazel so many times. But, like, as a person, he's, like, a great guy. Well, and I do think, I mean, not to jump ahead to predictions, but I do think we keep seeing him put together with Hazel on the fringes of things. In this episode, when they're talking about it, it ends up being about... Uh, Spinner and Paige, but the initial conversation about driving is Jimmy and Hazel and talking about their anxiety or her anxiety. And we keep seeing that, right? This sort of pairing. We have to do something with these Black people, (laughs) right? So let's just have them uh, talk to each other. Yeah, because Chris is already busy with Emma. That's that's true. What if we got Jimmy, Hazel, and Chris? Oh, you mean just to interact with each other. (laughs) Not as Because I was like, that would be some next level shit, Degrassi. It would not. Chris would... Whatever we think about Chris, I don't think Chris would work with these two. (laughs) I think he'd find them tedious. No, Hazel would be like... "Mm." Yeah, well, he'd find them tedious. Hazel would think he was boring. Jimmy and him might get along. (laughs) <laughs> if there's anyone that could manage a throuple, it would be James Brooks. Well, we do know that Jimmy likes rap, so maybe Jimmy and Chris <laughs> could bond over that. I mean, I, I don't really like track three. I love that. <laughs> yeah, Chris was going to make a mix CD for Snake. It was so cute. <laughs> Can I, but I, I mean, like, yes, it was very cute, but also she did not actually apologize to him in that no. scene. She, she, like, yeah. she gave justification. She said that she would like to give it, or she would like him to give her another shot. But she did not actually apologize for either right. pulling him, making him complicit in a lie that she told to an authority figure, and second, to paying attention to her ex boyfriend more than like in a way that was inappropriate 
around him and, and bringing him into like drama with her ex. I mean, I just like the last thing in my notes is poor Chris. Like, oh, yeah. fuck that non-apology because like it, that sucks. For real. And like the other thing is he said, can you only if you promise not to get or that you're going to get over Sean. And she said, well, you spending time with me will help with that. And I wrote, I wrote in all caps, that is literally a rebound. Like, Chris, you, she just said, I will get over my ex because of this rebounding relationship. (laughs) I mean, maybe, maybe then to go back to our thing about worthiness, in some ways, Chris is kind of like an Ashley insofar as this, like, willingness to just be like, I see exactly what's happening, but I'm too taken with it. Because I do think Chris is attracted to Emma. And I think perhaps that is what we are to understand, at least, is overcoming, like you're saying, an awful attempt at a romantic gesture that she makes at the end. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not saying that people don't deserve second chances, like on a scale, like on a scale. (laughs) Like, I'm not saying they always do. I think before you can even get to the point where you consider giving someone a second chance, there has to be an actual apology. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. I I guess I'm just thinking about, I just think about Chris and how part of Chris, maybe Chris's flaw is that he doesn't, there's like four times in the episode where he's like, I'm not going to see you anymore because you keep talking about Sean. And then he's like, I'm still not going to see you anymore (laughs) because you keep, I will stop talking to you because you keep talking about Sean. This is a lot. So I do think that perhaps that is the flaw that is being established here. He is ignoring the signs, which is not something that we typically see for like guy characters in teen shows. Like usually we see the girl characters ignoring the signs of a problematic boyfriend. So I guess that part is kind of interesting. True. Going back to our sort of like early episode naming conventions, I think this one should be called Chris Deserves Better. Maybe not enough crema for you. Oh, please stop. I, I like crema. I like crema on my tacos. Yeah. And I was thinking crema like mm. espresso. They're like top of the crema. Chris deserves better. Paige deserves better. But Paige will get better. Like, that's the one thing. If there's anything I'm confident about is that, like, once that Paige and Spinner break up, I don't remember who she dates right after that. But it will be a better relationship. Like, I just... You know, Paige just knows herself. She takes a page from the book of Paige. She does, although she keeps co-signing Spinner by proxy. The homophobia stuff. She yeah, we should a lot never forgive her for that. Like for real. Agreed. But maybe it's internalized homophobia. Dot dot dot. <laughs> so ready for that storyline when and if it ever happens i think it does based on things that i've heard rumors so i'm i'm ready for it but i'm sure it's probably far in the future i don't know what her and caitlin and sydney the throuple we need oh her, no caitlin, oh no. Flag, flag on the play flag generations on the play. have their own lesbian <laughs> relationships they can be on their own all it takes is one point seven. Every generation a lesbian relationship is born. <laughs> exactly. So are we at the favorite things point? <laughs> I think so. I mean, 
I can go. My favorite thing is when Emma invites, uh, or when they decide, or I forget who invites who, but milkshakes happen. But my favorite thing is actually the very tiny little yes that Chris does after Emma agrees to go to get milkshakes. It's very cute. Aww. Also, do we think the dairy industry underwrites Degrassi with the ice cream and milkshake promos all the time? I think it's just the early aughts. They were, they were really into dairy. No, I do. Th- I just think it's a cultural shift that's happened in the last 20 years away from, right? Now these people get coffee, oh. right? I think that's it, right? If this show was made today, they would all be getting coffee together. Oh. I would get milkshake on a day. Oh, for sure. I mean, I would get coffee and a milkshake. Like, I, you know, porque no los dos. Affogados? Mmm, yum. Is that like fried ice cream? No, I'm kidding. I also, so my, one of my favorite things was what you just mentioned, Tiffany, and just the fact that he says, want to go get a milkshake or something, right? Like, like he doesn't have a specific date in mind. I also like, I know that obviously we've talked about Paige's one-liners, but Emma does have a certain level of snark when it's on. And when she goes on her rant about how it's ancient history, Jurassic, and like makes like two more dinosaur puns. I just kind of loved that because it's the classic Emma overkill. It's also very on brand. Speaking of lines, one of my favorites is when Paige says, you're my dish pig, my insanely jealous dish (laughs) dish pig. Uh, When her and Spinner are having their conversation. Um, And then my other favorite thing is the white bandana that Alex is wearing. (laughs) while they're at the dot because like it's like Degrassi knows we need to make these kids look troubled but like we are in Canada and (laughs) there's only so much we can do here so here is a white bandana for you Alex oh my god or it was another JLo reference because of her iconic red carpet look with with Ja Rule where she wore the white bandana yep that's true yep um, my favorite—I uh, don't know if it's my favorite. It's what's sticking out to me. Speaking again of lines, when Emma's trying to get Chris back and is listing the things she loves about him, she says, "You have great taste in hats." <laughs> True, but also she goes on and on. But I got stuck, stuck with the hats. <laughs> I, I just imagine that Chris is actually just a hat. Like seven hats stacked in a body. With a trench coat thrown over. (laughs) I mean, I do, we all already said the page. Page page from the book of page. I I mean, mean, that's getting tattooed on my body. So, yeah. Uh, Yeah, okay. And also Paige's bag hanging out of the car. That was my other favorite thing. This is so good. My prediction is bigger crack in the page spinner. Pager, pager, spinach, spinach, spinach. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it is on. Y'all are going to get crumbs. I'm, uh, no, like as a person who actually watched Degrassi and has read like tons of Degrassi fan fiction, I'm pretty sure spage is what people used. (laughs) Ew. Spage is off. I'm just. Pager is just better. <laughs> Bigger crack in spinach. That's my uh, that's my prediction. And obviously, like consequences for Emma, consequences for Sean, right? 
Kremo won't be perfect. I think that is pretty easy. As always, bring me my liberty. Bring me, give me my liberty or give me death. Uh, I think is how the phrase goes. Are we going to take a wager that JT is going to say that at some point in some season? If it does, Brendan, you get a reward. (laughs) Yeah. So that's my, I know, I think our next episode is a two-parter, so I'm sure it'll be darker than this. <laughs> we, we do, we are due a JT episode, so we might get some JT love. Who knows? I don't remember. Well, if any of that happens, we'll talk about it. Whatever it takes. Y'all are ridiculous. <laughs> Y'all are truly ridiculous. Spinach, spinner. What about pinner? Pinner. That sounds bad. That just sounds bad. Painter. 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 We did spinner already, right? Yeah. I feel like spinach better. I mean, I guess you could go with his actual name and be like Gavage. Gavage. Or Pavin. How about about Gage? Gage. It's very early 90s or early 2000s. Gage. Or like. Last names like like M- Mickelson, <laughs> Mickelspin. <laughs> oh my god! What's his last name? Mason. I forget. It's not actually Spinner. Mason. Mayskul Chuck. <laughs> All right. No. <laughs> Good talk. Bye. Bye. Thanks for spending time with us again. Be sure to find and follow us on your social platform of choice. We're on Twitter at That Bleeping Pod and Facebook and Instagram at That Bleeping Podcast. And please share the good bleeping words with friends, family, random acquaintances, that ex you reconnected with during quarantine, or whoever else might want to listen to four professors talk about teen TV. Please like and subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening now. If you really like us, please leave a five-star review for us on Apple Podcasts. It would really help us out. We also want you to check out my friend Chris Robley, who has allowed us to use his song Anonymous for our intro and outro music. You can find Anonymous on Chris's fifth album, The Great Make Believer. His website is chrisrobley.com, and that's R-O-B-L-E-Y. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at Chris Robley, and Chris is also the co-host of the DIY Musician Podcast, so check it out. This week's episode was edited by me, Tiffany Salter. Thanks again for listening, and we will talk at you next time.